Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk from MediaVillage.com. I'm your host, Juan Ayala. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews from the rising stars of television and media, highlighting topics such as diversity, inclusivity, and representation. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to talking. So today I am joined by Eddie Liu from Netflix's Never Have I Ever, and now from the latest CW hit, Kung Fu. Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Juan. Good to be here. So excited to chat with you. So uh, the first question I always like to ask guests is what comes to mind as like the first film or a television show or, or performance overall where you first saw yourself represented? I, being a young Asian American kid growing up in in the States, in New York, um, my dad and like my uncle uh, would find movies and not really shows, but yeah, typically movies like martial arts, kung fu uh, genre type of uh, films for us to watch. So mm-hmm. I grew up watching a lot of Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Love Jet Li. Um, those are always my favorites. Oddly enough, I actually didn't typically enjoy watching Bruce Lee movies as much as everyone else did because there were times I, as a kid, looking back on it, Bruce Lee was almost a little too violent for me. Mm. Like, like not that it was like too graphic, but like there was an intensity and there was a you know ferociousness, which was amazing to watch. But um I think my taste was something a little bit more fun. Right. So seeing Jackie Chan come along and just be so uniquely himself was like yeah. so refreshing. And then I connected to that so much more because like I, I love comedy. I feel like more of a comedy guy. Um, so, you know, there was the martial arts stuff and that's all we could, that's all we had access to as far as Asian representation. And after a little while, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't really feel like I'm that kind of guy. Um, it's really entertaining to watch. Like it's inspiring, but it's not, I'm not that. I don't feel so represented by that. And then cut to Power Rangers, like the very first original series. Yeah. And then there's Billy the Blue Ranger. He's nerdy. He wears glasses. He's blue. That's my favorite color. His Zord is a Triceratops. And that is my that was my favorite dinosaur as a kid. So I'm like, holy yeah. crap, that's me right there. But even then, the actor is Caucasian, which is totally fine. Like, I did not care about that at all. Um, I loved you. You had me at blue and Triceratops and like nerdy, <laughs> like boom. The, de- the, the, the deal was sealed for Eddie. Um, so that was amazing. Then fast forward, I got really surprised by how, uh, I, ha- I guess how I felt, because I'm flipping through the channels one day. I'm like, I'm like a teenager at this point. I'm flipping through the channels. And then there's Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And I don't think I quite realized it was that movie because I'd never seen it. And I was, I was just flipping through the channels. And there's Leonardo Nam. It's a, it's a scene where he's in the bedroom. It's like this awkward, like interrupting of like a, I guess it was like a sexual moment between him and, and uh, his, his scene partner. I forget who's, I forget who's in the scene with him, but he's there. He's shirtless and he's ripped by the way. Um, he's, he's in great shape. And he's like, I don't know, just kind of awkward and funny and comedic and, and, and not a single punch was thrown, you know? And <laughs> I was like, I really connected to, to that. Cause that's kind of more my personality when, mm. when you get, when you think about it. So yeah. Uh, Long story short, that's kind of the first time I looked at that. I was like, holy crap. I, I really feel like I, I connect with that Yeah, in, in a way more than I ever had with anybody else who'd ever thrown kicks and punches in, 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 on the screen. Yeah. It's always interesting whenever it's, uh, whenever the guests are, I mean, all of them have been, the show's called Multicultural TV, but um, you know, the, the stories vary so much when they first see themselves represented. It's usually like the one show that was out, like, you know, your answers were like varying from, um, not just not just culture or, or background, but also like your personality, like the nerdiness or, or whatever it was. Um, and growing up, especially, you know, we're so impressionable. We'll often 
relate to just whoever can like is slightly like us in, in a TV and, and I mean growing up watching all the, all the Power Rangers um, yeah. but you know similarly I was a very nerdy kid I'm still a nerd <laughs> and you know You're here. totally relating to those to those still today so uh, I want you know fast forward to um, was it last spring that you guys shot the pilot like right before COVID did you guys wrap on yeah. the pilot I feel like no I'm, we couldn't even finish here um, here here's the the crazy thing is like we got yeah. We started in March. I think we flew up to, we all arrived within a few days of each other. I, myself and a few other of the main cast got there around like March 1st or something like that. We were there for two weeks total, like exactly pretty much 14 days. Production lasted only really like four, maybe five days. And then the official shutdown that, that that like where finally everyone around the world, like was pretty much got on the same page about, about COVID. Um, We only shot four days worth of uh, footage. And then the last day was crazy because uh, uh, we knew we were getting shut down. No one knew if we were coming back. Uh, we did not know if this would go forward. We didn't let alone if we had enough material to send to the network to be able to sell a pilot or to, to have a pilot approved even, you know? Yeah. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of uncertainty. And, and that was even before a lot of us even knew how severe and deadly the pandemic would be. So just so much yeah. uncertainty. Um, and, and yet un- uh, through it all, a lot of us, I, I, at least I could feel it on, on my end with the cast. Like we really believed that we could come back sooner or later. We knew that yeah. we were meant to come back and finish this somehow. Before you went into production, you know, you get the phone call that you're going to, that you booked the pilot. What, yeah. what's, going, what's going through your head? So uh, just a little, just to set up the scene, a bunch of us are at the screen test at the CW office in Burbank. And mm. a bunch of us are already friends like myself. Shannon, Olivia, uh, we knew each other from before that. Um, yeah. We had just met JP, uh, who would become like our, well, not our, but like, you know, the, the girl's brother on the show. And in a way, he's like a brother to all of us now. Um, and then uh, 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 there were a few others who we knew through mutual friends. And we all went out to get lunch right after the screen test. And it was a really mm-hmm. special energy um, where uh, typically people are kind of uh, a- actors who are competing against each other often sort of like, you know, Keeping to themselves, keeping private, they're very focused, um, you know, because it's a really high stakes uh, situation, you know, when it comes to screen testing, you know, and um, it, it, it was special because we were very supportive of each other. We were just like, if it's not me, it's going to be you. And I love that. And that makes me happy because one of us, any one of us is going to get on this show, which is really cool. So the fact that we were even able to go out and get lunch together and hang out together and, you mm-hmm. know, there's no beef, there's no weirdness of any kind is is really great. Um, just goes to show how supportive um, a lot of the uh, Asian community can be with each other, especially in entertainment. Um, so we're at this place uh, in Burbank. It's I don't remember the name. I think it was like Commissary, I think it was. I get the phone from my agent. JP whips out his phone because he could see the look on my face. He goes, oh, I think this might be the call. And then there were two other girls who were with us. Yeah, I'm standing in the parking lot with Reader Schnitzel in the background in the video. And uh, <laughs> they, and I'm on the phone. They're like, hey. So like it's it's my manager, all of my agents my attorney and i'm like okay if they were gonna tell me i didn't get it i don't know if all of them would be on the call usually like i've only ever gotten the rejection call from just uh, only one person needs to do it um i don't know if all of them need to do it and then they say that i got it and this phone call lasts for like two minutes and i'm just kind of (laughs) like hyperventilating and i'm like starting to black out like i'm like (laughs) i wasn't i don't know if i was literally going in and out of consciousness but i do remember (laughs) a couple points it was really fuzzy up in my head and i was getting very lightheaded uh uh, 
And by the time uh, we hung up, all I could really muster up was like, thank you guys so much for everything you've done to me. Like I really truly would not be here without you. And just trying to express gratitude to the people who, you know, who have been there for me for so long and really investing in me in my career. Um, and, and they said like, one of the first things they said was my agent Azim was like, congratulations, you're going to be Henry. And I just like, like that's when the fuzziness started. Yeah. I hang up the phone, I keel over onto the <laughs> pavement and the, the remaining group, uh, our friends, including JP, are like group hug me and we're all jumping and we're yelling. And uh, it was amazing. Um, I don't know the excitement, the, the positive, happy feelings that you would, one would hope for and expect that didn't quite hit me. It was a lot of like release the exhaustion and the stress yeah. I, I played it. I was able to play it pretty cool throughout the process um, throughout the audition process. But in that moment, I felt a huge release. Yeah. Just like a big sigh of relief. Like, okay. Huge relief. Okay, yeah. We know yeah. we got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I had test screen tested for other pilots before um, I tested for three in the span of a month, one year before that. And I came mm -hmm. in like at number two or number three choice on all of them pretty much right around there. So that, that, that took a lot out of me that year. And I feel like it really steeled me and mentally toughened me yeah. to walk through this pilot process where I was like, I felt like a, like a seasoned athlete. I felt, I felt like the Utah jazz in the nineties, but this time they actually <laughs> won the chip, you know? <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, with Kung Fu and, and previously with um, with Never Have I Ever, you've gotten to work with such like trailblazing showrunners with Mindy Kaling and now with Christina Kim. What's your experience been like? You know, they're they're kicking ass over there. Uh, it's such an honor. I really feel like I punched in the uh, or won the uh, uh, the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Um, not once, but now twice, you know, the first time with Never Have I Ever. And then and then now with this. Um, the, the first time um, I, I got on my first day of work at Never Have I Ever, I got to meet Mindy. She was there. She was on set. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was honestly a little starstruck, a little like, oh, my God, it's Mindy Kaling. And I hope she <laughs> likes me and all these things, all these concerns that an insecure actor would have, but should not have because you're at work and you got to shoot these scenes. Right. And so my first day of work, I got to I got to execute, you know, and, and it's that scene between Kamala and Steve where she's like, hey, I got to break up with you. And um that was actually in my audition sides. I had, I had auditioned with that scene and then maybe I think a, another one as well. Um, but we were trying, I remember there was like pinch me moment where in like a huddle, it, Mindy and I and Richa and then our, our, our director is, uh, is in there. Um, and, and, and we were huddled around and we, you know, I'm like, I had a moment, like a out of body experience moment where I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm Holy crap. I'm in a huddle with these guys. Like I'm, this is, this is big league stuff right here. Like, and then I was like, no, shut up, dude, get, get, get in there. You got to work. Um, so that was really cool. And then, um, when Mindy wasn't there, she was very busy. She often was not on set. Cause I think she's like producing simultaneous things, like other, a lot of big yeah. stuff going on with her. Um, so, but the other showrunner Lang was there pretty much every day and she was very pregnant and she's just there on set being a complete baller. Um, I love getting to ask her questions about the tone and, you know, like, what does this thing mean? And, um, you know, this line, like, how do we make this joke work and stuff like that? And, you know, she's very, very chill and very like, she knew what she wanted and that was really cool. And then um, being with Christina on set, sadly, because of the pandemic, um, our showrunners can't be up, up in Vancouver with us. Um, so Christina oh. was there with us uh, during the pilot, during the span of the pilot, we were all there together because pandemic didn't really exist yet. Um, 
and then cut to September, October when we had rebooted. Um, Christina was there for like, I want to say maybe like a couple of weeks. So it was really nice to have her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that she felt a great joy in being with us, seeing her, her baby, like her project, like come to life. Uh, it was so great to share that with her the first time. And the second time we are only like, like regret, I guess you could say is that uh, we wish she could be there longer and come back more often, but you know, she's yeah. got to, she's got to hold down the fort in LA. Um, but it's really great. Like they, they, Christina and, and Bob are showing her to keep this open channel of collaboration. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to express questions, concerns, like, uh, you know, the creative process, we can engage openly and freely. And it, that, that's a space that we, the actors have really felt comfortable and uh, very comfortable in for sure. Yeah. Hopefully once the pandemic's a bit more under control, they'll let her go back up and be with you guys some more. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Her and Bob, uh, hopefully I don't know, they can switch on and off and we can have more of our producers come on because uh, we've gotten to chat with them over time. And, um, you know, they're all uh, just wonderfully kind people. Uh, a question I always like to end with is, um, what's well, it's sort of a two-part question. Um, but first, do you think that a 13-year-old you would have made it as far as you have? And second part would be, if you could meet that 13-year-old you, what advice would you give them? Ooh, good question. I don't, I think I dared to, I, to dream of wild things and achievements and accomplishments like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Thankfully, I had, you know, some teachers and some guides along the way who, you know, enabled some of that. And um, yeah, but to be an actor, that's a, that's a crazy thought. That's like, that's like, that's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I think I, I think I thought about it the way any kid would think about being like a pro athlete or an astronaut. Like when I was five, I wanted to be a race car driver. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> I, I, now that I've grown up, I don't care about race car driving, but it's, it's just mm-hmm. a thought you have. Cause you saw a toy car and you thought it would look cool. And that's how a lot of people think about acting. Go, oh, I saw a TV show and I think I want to be an actor. Like, but they don't know what that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 13 year old me fantasized about doing cool shit like this. I definitely, um, remember feeling very inspired watching martial arts, films and shows and and feeling like wow how cool would it be to get to do that to tell those stories and those are the things that looking back now that's what made me dare to even dream to try to even pursue this um Mm -hmm. i think if maybe if all i had watched was like prestige film like you know gone with the wind and the wizard of oz and you know the animated disney movies i'd watch i don't know if i would have dreamt about it the same way i don't think i would have like considered it as a career path um you know uh yeah yeah to but to answer to try to answer the question um maybe i don't i don't think 13 year old that he really thought that i think i was always sort of groomed to be like hey your family friend friend tim studied finance at fordham and so you too should study finance and maybe get a great job at mastercard like tim and you too can be a young VP on the East coast, one, a regional VP one day, and, and your life is going to be great. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I, that's where my brain went for, for a long time until I caught the bug and so on and so forth. How old were you when it all started? How old? Oh, uh, I think 18. I started okay. taking acting classes for fun. It was big, kind of on a whim. Like somebody left a, an acting school, left a message on our uh, answering machine uh, on our house phone. For those of you who don't know, an answering machine is a literal machine <laughs> where you can leave voicemails, but it doesn't go to your cell phone. It goes to 
a machine connected to what we call a landline. And that's a hardwired line that connects in, inside of your house. And that's where it you answer the phone from. It was on a tape. There used to be <laughs> tape. tape. Oh my God, the there sticky were tape. Type. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, God, we old, man. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, this local acting studio left a, uh, an answer, uh, uh, left a message and said like, hey, does your kid want to sign up for these things? And I was like, okay, sure, I'll try it. And, and my mom was kind of like, oh, you you're kind of interested in that, right? I was like, yeah. So my mom was like really the first person to enable that and um, encourage me. And and mm-hmm. my parents said like, hey, you can do it for fun. Like if you don't like it, you can stop at any time. Like there's no contractual, you're not stuck doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it'd be fun to like get side money if I could book some commercials and gigs here and there, save that, you know, continue going to college and keep doing that. And that was, the, yeah. that was a very um, pleasant arrangement for, for everyone involved. <laughs> um there wasn't it wasn't high stakes you know i mean like i didn't want to pursue it as a career yet and then and then i did so yeah basically 18 and then i was graduated college so around 21 22 years old was when i started to approach it full time and really like get after it um and really like that's when i just like two weeks before college graduation that's when i decided i'm going to pursue this full time for real and then i went to Mm -hmm. acting school so it's been like that since Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time, you know, and uh, for anybody listening, like who is like considering a career in the arts, a career in this entertainment industry, like it's, it will take time and you can't really compare your process to anyone else. I mean, you can try, but uh, as, uh, as an old acting teacher said, to compare is to despair. I believe that was Stella Adler. Does, does that sound pretentious enough for you guys? Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, seriously, like, no, but comparing yourself to other people really is the root of a lot of anguish. Um, and I found mm-hmm. myself doing a lot of that, especially in the last few years when I was, I had a chip in my shoulder about not booking the things that I wanted to and coming close to things that I wanted or, or even think there were things that I wanted. And I was never even in the ballpark of being considered for it. And that was kind of like, Oh God, what I, what did I do wrong? Why am I not enough? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, self-reflection and a lot of introspection that, that, that is required that if you're going to do that, you have to do it in a, in a productive way, not a destructive way. And so that's a huge part of the process for, I would say artists, but also any adult in general, if you want to function well, any, any grown up needs to be able to have that. That was a really long winded answer. Uh, it's okay. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Yes. We get to do that now. Um, can you, may you, uh, for the listeners, please, please reiterate the second part of the question. Uh, yeah. If you could give that 13 year old, you some advice, what would you say? 13 year old me. Um, I would tell 13 year old me to be, I would say to him like, look, man, I know that everything matters so much right now. Um, and I know it's going to be hard to uh, digest all of this advice, but if you can even practice it even half the time, it's going to make your life easier, which is that stop giving a fuck what other people care about you. Like, like, like I wanted so badly for the people who I thought was cool to think that I was cool to think that I was funny. And I, and to this day, I think even as an adult, I spend a little too much time worrying about what other people think about me. Um, I've gotten better at it for sure. Um, I think maybe some of those instincts was, what contributed to being an actor, like a need, uh, some level of a need for attention or validation or approval of some kind. Um, Mm. I'd like to think that I channeled it in a more healthy way. um, So it's not such a unhealthy uh, need or uh, or not an unhealthy pursuit of, of those things. Cause we all want, we all want admiration. We all want love and um, respect and those things like that. Um, Yeah. I would, I would tell, 13 year old Eddie to 
not worry so much about that. And, and I would tell them uh, to have more fun. Like mm-hmm. wherever you're at, enjoy it more. I think I used to be really afraid of, I think a part of it is my, my being a, a being raised as a well-behaved Asian kid, uh, mm-hmm. which was like, I hate, I was so afraid to get yelled at. I was so afraid for people to be disappointed in me um, at where it, it, the expense was my own well-being, my own uh, peace of mind, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I could tell that to 13 year old me, I could tell that to 21 year old me and 30 year old me to, to an extent, but thankfully it's gotten a lot better. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and as a reminder, always, treat other people um i heard my brother say this once and i thought it was so fantastic people recite the golden rule they say treat people the way you want to be treated Mm. and and i had heard it flipped which was that he said um treat people the way they want to be treated Mm. and i was like oh okay yeah yeah yeah. that that makes sense because not everyone not everyone's the same everyone has different slightly different needs so yeah so i would i would remind 13 year old eddie of that of that rule I love that. That's awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much for, for today's uh, conversation. Everyone listening, you can catch new episodes of Kung Fu on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the CW. It's on the, it's on the app for free. Um, with regards to Hulu, I think you need a special kind of Hulu to get it uh, the next gotcha. day. Um, if you're in Canada, you can watch on CTV2. Um, and then there's the CTV app as well if you're in Canada. And then if you live uh, somewhere else in, in the world, like Europe or Australia, um, don't worry, it's coming to you. <laughs> it will be, it will be accessible. And um, yeah, just it's a really good time. We're we're so proud of the show. We're so proud of the things that we've been able to achieve in season one, especially given the obstacles of like the pandemic yeah. and all the socio political uh, cultural conversation surrounding our show and what it means and, and all that, and all that fun stuff. Uh, but aside from all that, aside from all the serious stuff, it's a really fun time. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much again. Congrats on such a great first season. The ratings, you guys are killing it and congrats on season two renewal already. Thank you. Yeah. We're really, we're really grateful and excited. And that concludes this episode of Multicultural TV Talk from MediaVillage.com. If you enjoyed the show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to never miss an episode and head on over to MediaVillage.com to check out all of our articles, columns, reviews, and interviews. Thank you all so much. I'm Juan Ayala, and this is Multicultural TV Talk.